Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. That's right, folks. Ray Parker Jr. ain't afraid of no ghosts, and neither am I. Your host, Reese Hendrick. And I bid you a most spooky welcome to Science Factual. For the entire month of October, we're going to pay tribute to some of the best sci-fi horror and comedies the world has ever known. To spark things off, power up your proton packs because we're going ghost-busting with the Creasy Crashly brothers, Carson and Brendan. I got to sit down with the comedy bros at the Mega Sookies Showcase that they put on at Sookies Bar in downtown Portland, Oregon. We got to talking about the original Ghostbusters and the rest of the franchise while dodging spooks, specters, and ghosts alike. I was happy to finally cash in my prized holiday gift from last year given to me by the Creasy Crashly Brothers at the last Sookies mic of 2021. What is it, you ask? Well, it was for them to be on this very podcast. Make sure you stick around to the end of the episode for an awesome set they laid down at the Helium Comedy Club in Southeast Portland during the Portland's Funniest Person Competition 2022. For this episode, I'm going to cover the Ghostbusters franchise as a whole. Uh, oh, what, what's that? My auroroscope is going bonkers. That must mean there's an incoming... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! By the way, an oroscope, aka a PKE meter or psychokinetic energy meter, is standard issue for any Ghostbuster, just in case you were thinking of going as one for Halloween. That plus a proton pack and a portable containment unit, of course. And if you want to cause some serious nerd boners, break Ecto-1 out of the Peterson's Automotive Museum in Los Angeles and say hi to the ghost of Biggie Smalls while you're at it. Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. Alrighty, here's a look at the plot of the original Ghostbusters before we get into the rest of the franchise, which includes sequel movies, animated series, comic books, and video games. And the facts behind them, of course. Columbia University parapsychology professors Peter Venkman, Ray Stance, and Egon Spengler experienced their first encounter with a ghost at the New York Public Library, the university dean dismisses the credibility of their paranormal-focused research and fires them. The trio responds by establishing Ghostbusters, a paranormal investigation and elimination service operating out of a disused firehouse. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters! Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. They develop high-tech nuclear-powered equipment to capture and contain ghosts, although business is initially slow. After a paranormal encounter in her apartment, cellist Dana Barrett calls the Ghostbusters. She recounts witnessing a demonic dog-like creature utter a single word. Zool. Ray and Egon research Zool and details on Dana's building while Peter inspects her apartment and unsuccessfully attempts to seduce her. The Ghostbusters are hired to remove a gluttonous ghost Slimer from the Sedgwick Hotel. Having failed to properly test their equipment, Egon warns the group that crossing the energy streams of their proton pack weapons could cause a catastrophic explosion. They capture the ghost and deposit it in an ecto-containment unit under the firehouse. Supernatural activity rapidly increases across the city and the Ghostbusters become famous. They hire a fourth member, Winston Zeddemore, to cope with the growing demand. 
Suspicious of the Ghostbusters, Environmental Protection Agency Inspector Walter Peck asks to evaluate their equipment, but Peter rebuffs him. Egon warns that the containment unit is nearing capacity and supernatural energy is surging across the city. Peter meets with Dana to inform her Zul was a demigod worshipped as a servant to Gozer the Gozerian, a shape-shifting god of destruction. Upon returning home, she is possessed by Zul. A similar entity possesses her neighbor, Louis Tully. Peter arrives to find the possessed Dana slash Zul claiming to be the gatekeeper. Lewis is brought to Egon by police officers and he claims that he is Vince Clortho, the Keymaster. I am the Keymaster. I am the gatekeeper. The Ghostbusters agree to keep the pair separated. Peck returns with law enforcement and city workers to have the Ghostbusters arrested and their containment unit deactivated, causing an explosion that releases the captured ghosts. Lewis escapes in the confusion and makes his way to the apartment building to join Dana. In jail, Ray and Egon reveal Evo Shandar, leader of a Gozer-worshipping cult, designed Dana's building to function as an antenna to attract and concentrate spiritual energy to summon Gozer and bring about the apocalypse. Faced with supernatural chaos across the city, the Ghostbusters convince the mayor to release them. The Ghostbusters travel to the apartment building roof as Dana and Lewis open the gate between dimensions and transform into demonic dogs. Gozer appears as a woman and attacks the Ghostbusters, then disappears when they attempt to retaliate. Her disembodied voice demands the Ghostbusters choose the form of their destruction. Ray inadvertently recalls a beloved corporate mascot from his childhood, and Gozer reappears as a gigantic stay-puffed marshmallow man. Against his earlier advice, Egon instructs the team to cross their proton energy streams at the dimensional gate. The resulting explosion destroys Gozer's avatar, banishing it back to its dimension, and closes the gateway. The Ghostbusters rescue Dana and Lewis from the wreckage and are welcomed on the street as heroes. Now, I won't be getting into the plots of the other movies too much outside of some factoids since the interview with the Creasy Crashley brothers focuses mainly on the principal film of the franchise, so let's start off with some background before getting into the extended universe. Ghostbusters is a 1984 American supernatural comedy film directed and produced by Ivan Reitman and written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. It stars Bill Murray, Aykroyd, and Ramis as Peter Venkman, Ray Stantz, and Egon Spengler, three eccentric parapsychologists who start a ghost-catching business in New York City. It also stars Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis, and features Annie Potts, William Atherton, and Ernie Hudson in supporting roles. Based on his own fascination with spirituality, Aykroyd conceived Ghostbusters as a project starring himself and John Belushi, in which they would venture through time and space battling supernatural threats. Following Belushi's untimely death in 1982, and with Aykroyd's concept deemed financially impractical, Ramis was hired to help rewrite the script to set it in New York City and make it more realistic. It was the first comedy film to employ expensive special effects, and Columbia Pictures, concerned about its relatively high $25 to $30 million budget, had little faith in its box office potential. Incredible. Filming took place from October 1983 to January 1984 in New York City and in Los Angeles. Due to competition for special effects studios among various films in development at the time, Richard Edlund used part of the budget to found Boss Film Studios, which employed a combination of practical effects, miniatures, and puppets to deliver the ghoulish visuals. Ghostbusters was released on June 8, 1984 to critical acclaim and became a cultural phenomenon. It was well-received for its blend of comedy, action, and horror, and Murray's performance was often singled out for praise. Incredible. It earned $282.2 million during its initial theatrical run, making it the second-highest-grossing film of 1984 in the United States and Canada, and the then-highest-grossing comedy ever. It was the number one film in theaters for seven consecutive weeks, and one of only four films to gross more than $100 million that year. Further theatrical releases have increased the total gross to around $295.2 million, making it one of the most successful comedy films of the 1980s. In 2015, the Library of Congress selected it for preservation in the National Film Registry. Its theme song, Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr., was also a number one hit. Who you gonna call? With its effect on popular culture and a dedicated fan following, the success of Ghostbusters launched a multi-billion dollar multimedia franchise. 
This included the popular animated television series The Real Ghostbusters in 1986, its sequel Extreme Ghostbusters in 1997, video games, board games, comic books, clothing, music, and haunted attractions. Ghostbusters was followed in 1989 by Ghostbusters 2, which fared less well financially and critically, and attempts to develop a second sequel paused in 2014 following Ramis' death. After a 2016 reboot received mixed reviews and underperformed financially, a second sequel to the 1984 film Ghostbusters Afterlife was released in November of 2021, which did markedly better. Now, what made that 2016 reboot stand out is that the Ghostbuster team is actually made up of all women. We had Melissa McCarthy as Dr. Abigail Abby Yates, Kristen Wiig as Dr. Aaron Gilbert, Kate McKinnon as Dr. Jillian Holtz-Holtzman, we have Leslie Jones as Patricia Patty Tolan, and Chris Hemsworth as Kevin Beckman, the secretary. All right, here are some ectoplasmic facts about Ghostbusters that will definitely turn you into a believer. We're ready to believe you! Ghostbusters was inspired by Dan Aykroyd's fascination with and belief in the paranormal, which he inherited from his father, who had written the book A History of Ghosts, his mother, who claimed to have seen ghosts, his grandfather, who experimented with radios to contact the dead, and his great-grandfather, a renowned spiritualist. In 1981, Aykroyd read an article on quantum physics and parapsychology in the Journal of the American Society for Psychical Research, which gave him the idea of trapping ghosts. He was also drawn to the idea of modernizing the comedic ghost films of the mid-20th century by comics such as Abbott and Costello, who did Hold That Ghost in 1941, Bob Hope, who did The Ghost Breakers in 1940, and The Bowery Boys with Ghost Chasers in 1951. The first pass of the script was much different than the movie we all know and love today. Writer and funny man Dan Aykroyd's initial concept was a darker, more futuristic ghost flick that saw the film's characters travel through time and space to battle dozens of otherworldly spirits. Director Ivan Reitman, who was also charged with getting a studio on board, estimated the grittier sci-fi version would have cost about ten times as much as the classic that we all know, and that was in 80s money. Ultimately, the movie was given the green light after the pitch phrase, Ghost Janitors in New York. Hell, I'm in. Ghostbusters is such an iconic title, so much so that many fans still haven't noticed that following the opening scene in the New York Public Library in the original 1984 film, the title that appears on the screen is actually two words and not one, reading Ghostbusters. Before the filmmakers settled on the new iconic title, Dan Aykroyd originally considered the title Ghost Smashers, while Ghost Breakers was also an option. The sign outside the Ghostbusters fire station in New York even had variations of these titles during production. Ghostbusters wasn't available because of Filmation's Ghostbusters from 1975, an unrelated TV series. In the end, Columbia Pictures obtained the rights, while the real Ghostbusters, the animated TV show, was so named to distinguish it from the Filmation version. When first writing the script, Aykroyd envisioned Eddie Murphy, John Belushi, and himself as the three main characters, but after Belushi passed away, Bill Murray was eventually tapped for the now-iconic role of snarky Peter Venkman. As for John Candy, he was originally approached to play the role of Lewis Tully, but a few obstacles prevented that from happening. Candy envisioned a much different persona and also wanted the character to take a more starring role in the film. Wanting to keep their original version for Tully, the filmmakers instead selected Rick Moranis. Not only was Moranis ready and willing to play the character they needed, but he was also able to wear his own threads. I mean, come on, he is Lewis Tully. While unable to star in the film, Belushi was definitely there in spirit. Wanting to honor his late friend, Aykroyd brought to life the first apparition the gang would face, Slimer. This gluttonous ghost who provides plenty of comedic relief is indeed an unofficial homage to the late, great Belushi. By the way, Slimer wasn't called Slimer until the animated series when he joins the Ghostbusters. He was just referred to as Onionhead by cast and crew, although not canonically. Due to the rush placed on cast and crew, only one of the iconic retrofitted Cadillac ambulances was designed for production. Typically, movies with iconic vehicles have several backups, but budget and time restraints made that infeasible this time around. Ironically, the vehicle went kaput during the final scene, but thankfully the print was in the can and production was wrapped. At least for the car, which ended up in a barn for over a decade until being rediscovered and refurbished and then sent on its way to the aforementioned Peterson's Automotive Museum in Los Angeles, which I highly recommend. It's pretty rad. Stephen Dane was hired by Ivan Reitman to design and oversee the development of the Ecto-1, along with the construction of various other items from the proton pack to the slime scooper. 
Unfortunately, during the final credits, it was discovered that Dane's name had been misspelled as Stephen with a V as opposed to with a PH, and he was listed as a hardware consultant. Considering Dane is responsible for the design and creation of the Ecto-1, along with the particle thrower, gigameter, and slime blower, incorrectly spelling the man's name and grossly underappreciating Dane's contributions to the film seemed like a slap in the face, especially considering he finished everything asked of him in only two weeks. So, who are you going to call? Because producers set up a toll-free 800 number prior to the movie's release as a publicity stunt. The phone rang to a pre-recorded message from Murray and Aykroyd, the number got so many calls, though, that it was eventually shut down. Now who are we going to call? The number received a 1,000 calls every hour, 24 hours a day, for several weeks. No wonder it got shut down. Hook and Ladder 8 building that served as the Ghostbusters HQ in the movie is a popular tourist location in New York, but what some fans might be surprised to learn is that the building is actually a fully functioning firehouse and has been around for more than a century. So the interior was shot at an abandoned fire station in Los Angeles. The Hook and Ladder 8 was built in 1903, which actually predates the fire department of New York. It was established during a time when the firefighting forces made up of loosely associated companies of volunteers. In 1984, Huey Lewis famously sued Ray Parker Jr., suggesting that Ghostbusters ripped off his 1983 hit, I Want a New Drug. The two parties settled out of court after 11 years of back and forth while agreeing to keep the details of the suit confidential, an agreement that Huey Lewis apparently broke which prompted Ray Parker Jr. to counter sue in 2001. Damn, that 80s beef runs deep. Beyond the main cast, there were a few cameos that you may have either missed or forgotten. The first is Larry King. The longtime talk show host made his very first cinematic cameo in Ghostbusters as himself, but Ron Jeremy also appears as an extra among a crowd of onlookers in the final scene. He later went on to star in a porn parody entitled, This Ain't Ghostbusters, Triple X. Aside from Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, here's everything else within the extended universe to a degree. I mean, there's a lot. We have Ghostbusters Answer the Call from 2016, Ghostbusters Afterlife, the real Ghostbusters, which ran from 1986 to 1991, Video games, including the titular pieces per movie, as well as Sanctum of Slime, Extreme Ghostbusters for Game Boy Advance, and Spirits Unleashed, which came out this year. There are also over a dozen comic book arcs, including a crossover with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cowabunga! Now, these are some great facts, no doubt but they're definitely not the end-all info on the Ghostbusters franchise. There are countless pop culture references made out there, so instead of spoiling them for you, I'll let you discover them supernaturally on your own. Up next, we have an awesome interview with the Creasy Crashly Brothers at the Mega Sookies Comedy Showcase. Check out Sookies every Tuesday night for the comedy open mic, also hosted by the bros, and really any day of the week for really good bar food and drinks. Brendo, do you have any suggestions for local here? haunts? I know there's... I, I know Hollywood Horror Nights is amazing, Knott's, Berry, Knott's Scary Farm is for amazing. For here in Portland, I don't know because I don't live here, but okay. I know there's like a drive-in movie one. Where there's like a haunted house and then you watch a movie. I do like that. And then there's um, there's some theme park that has, it's either a family, I don't know which one it's called. It says it's the second best haunted attraction in the country. I, I honestly thought you were going to say in Oregon. <laughs> well, in Oregon it would be pretty weak, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, well, compared to Southern California. There's so much good shit in Southern California. You have the Queen Mary. Yep. Universal, you have Knott's, even Disney has their own. It's not really a haunted attraction, but they do a cool Halloween thing it, where you can trick-or-treat and get a shit ton of candy. A lot of neighborhoods also have, like, really highly produced Oh, yeah, well, like in houses. Burbank, yeah, there's, they, like, they go hard. <laughs> all these Hollywood people, like, they go super hard. It's not as big anymore, but it's been, like, the early 2010s, there was the one-off attractions, like... Blumhouse made one. Neil Patrick Harris had one. Okay. It was like you go and it was like these attractions, huh. like a one-off thing. Yeah. So, so like, like, a, like a pop-up haunted house. Yeah, like house. a pop-up haunted house. 
And there's a few of those that are out there um, in L.A. There's one of them that's, like, supposedly the most intense haunted house experience. Like, they literally blindfold you and, like, all this other shit. And you sign a waiver. I remember back in the day, I went to Universal Studios with my grandparents. My grandfather and I went through the Van Helsing haunted house Yeah. And they looked at him. They looked him once up and down. And they were like, "Are you sure you don't have any heart conditions or something, sir? Like, you, you, you I don't know if you should be doing this. Haunted houses are, are fun if you can handle them. That's for sure. Well, and then the trick for Halloween Horror Nights is it's so fucking crowded. Mm. It's worth spending the hundred plus dollars to get the front of the line pass. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because like that's what we did every year. The thing I love about Universal Studios in Hollywood is they have you get to do the Terror Tram. Mm. which is the backlot tram. Normally, you get off the tram and you walk through a lot of the set pieces. Sure. Like, you walk through the Bates Motel set. Right, right. You walk through the War of the Worlds crash site, and they have, like, fucking monsters popping out and shit. It's fucking dope. Yeah. They have a photo op in front of the Psycho House. Mm. It's, it's really awesome. cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I love when, you know, those minds behind the movies kind of have that free range. And I, the Universal ones, like, the Knott's haunted houses are good, and they're getting better. Like, I did notice the last time I went to Knott's, the quality of the haunted houses had increased quite a bit. They're more theatrical. Because the Universal Studios, you feel like you're on a movie set. Like, you're on the set of Nightmare on Elm Street. You feel like you're on the set of Well, practical Halloween. effects have gotten so much better over the years. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at, like, if they were to remake Hellraiser with just practical effects, it would be fucking amazing. I'm um, curious about the new Hellraiser that's coming yeah. out. Well, so, but again, a lot of that relies on, I would assume, CGI. Oh, we are now joined by the other half of the Creasy Crashly Brothers. I was just talking with Brendan. This is now Carson. Hello. What's up? We made it to the podcast. Yes. Live and from Mega Sookies. Live from M -m 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 Mega Sookies! Um, thank you for calling it Sookies because people have been, this is a point of contention with, with me and some of the bros. Is it Sookies or Sookies? I prefer Suckies. Well, it's okay. Korean, so I don't know. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to look up the phonetics on it's this. It's a dude's last name, yeah. and he's eighty six from his own bar, so <laughs> it's not a vampire from the south. Okay, that so a vampire I am, lover. I am going Suki based on True Blood, so I'm glad that you said that. R.I.P. Um, former Portland Comedy Fantasy Football League Suki's stacked house. Oh, R.I.P. That's that's the R.I.P. I want to hear. Uh, I, I'm I'm tired of hearing about the Queen. Chris Last was telling year. me there is a new Sookie's League. They restarted it. Boo, without us. Oh, bummer. Can't have a league. But one of my the, friends, comedian Dan Weber, one year won the Sookie's Fantasy Football League. Okay. And when I told him, after he won the championship game, he told me, I forgot I was in that league. <laughs> <laughs> so he and was then just... I looked back. He auto-drafted, got really lucky with injuries, oh, never wow. touched his lineup, and I was like, that's the end of that fantasy league. Man, to win on an auto-draft... And forgot he was in it. Never touched his lineup the whole season? Not once, man. Well, shout out Dan Weber. He uh, gave you one on his bye week. <laughs> God bless him. And America. All right. Also, hail Satan. So, before we get too far into Ghostbusters, which is what we are here to talk about. I'm afraid what... of it. I'm afraid of it. Yeah, and... I am afraid You are it. afraid. Yeah. I mean, it's it like... It is spooky. False advertising right away. Get right away. Like, if you see a ghost, you're afraid of it. I don't care who. I watched it when I was five, and it was scary. I don't it care if you're scary. This dude was three. I don't care if you're the other guy. You're scared. That was a question, uh, if you were afraid of ghosts. So the answer is yes. Absolutely. Um, okay. Absolutely. There so was you, so one time where Carson, I don't know if he was being facetious on purpose, or he was really scared, but he had convinced me that Mr. Boogity was in his room. Okay. And we, like, huddled downstairs until our parents woke up, and I was very scared. Yeah, you know, I, I used to run up the stairs. We had, like, a weird light switch situation in our house where, you know, like, if it was flipped a certain way at the top of the stairs versus the bottom of the stairs, you know, you'd have to turn it off at the mm, bottom and, like, yeah. run up to the top and turn it off. You know, Good luck it, trying to beat the light. Yeah, that's true. Even the flash. It's us. so fast. Yeah. Light is, like, quick. Blink, and you'll miss it. So, what are your Instagrams? Carson Creasy. At Brendo Man. 
at Brendoman at Carson Creasy. You can follow them on Instagram. Check out all of the awesome stuff that they have going on. What is, uh, what's your first exposure to sci-fi? Because, Brendo, we were talking about the Star Wars trading card game. Um, I saw my first exposure to sci-fi was my dad took me to see Jedi on the premiere. Nice. When I was three. Not even three. I was almost three. Because it came out in May of 83. Did so he dress you up as an Ewok? I don't think so. Okay. I just remember very clearly I yelled out during the movie, like, they're going to kill the Ewoks. And my dad was like, do not talk during the movie. We don't do that. <laughs> and I remember that. I held on to that. Like, don't talk during the fucking movie. <laughs> he didn't, My dad didn't, but I do. So fuck him and fuck you too. <laughs> but I like that's my my first memory of seeing He's Return of the anyway. Jedi <laughs> with my dad. Okay. Because he was a huge Star Wars nerd. Then he took us. Um, one of our great cinematic memories was we the saw Nickelodeon Theater the in Nic- San Diego. Our, I think it's gone. I don't know. It might still be there. I can okay. still celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah, but um, Absolutely. we saw all three of them in a row in 35 millimeter. And I, my favorite nice. thing as a fat kid was it was unlimited popcorn, mm. and uh, we that, saw <laughs> that is we were there gimmick. all day just eating popcorn, watching I, Star Wars. God, I ate so many Sour Patch Kids, my tongue stopped working. It was like mm. swollen. Yeah, because the original trilogy, it, it's it is like a, a six and a half, seven hour. Yeah, like yeah, uh, they're each session. like two hour. We plus. didn't get there on time. We missed the opening scene. Mm. But we're not here to talk about Star Wars. No, that's true. But I. But then I guess my second exposure was Ghostbusters. Cause okay. We got that. We it came out in 84? 84. Right? Yeah. Our parents saw it in the theater. I think it was a wait and see thing for mm-hmm. letting us see it. And my dad approved. So we got to watch it on video. And it was like the first VHS Wore it we out. watched. This was in the days where we rented a VCR and then rented <laughs> tapes. At Seven Eleven came like that thick wow. plastic case, like power tools. Oh sure, and yeah, yeah. we rented the tape so much at Seven Eleven that my mom's like, "Why don't we buy this tape?" Mm. But it was still like the VHSs were like fifty seven dollars, fifty to seventy dollars. And for my birthday in nineteen eighty five or maybe eighty six, um, we got the VHS tape. It was the first one we ever owned. Any lunch boxes, thermoses? Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I definitely had a real Ghostbusters, the cartoon mm-hmm. lunchbox. Yeah, and the, we had figures. Yeah. Carson, one year for his birthday, got this. Um, yeah, Tie Fighter. He got this thing where Sick. he got this thing where you projected the ghost, like the gun mm. projected the ghost on the wall, and mm-hmm. then you could shoot it. Nice. Um, that was pretty rad. We had, had a lot of ecto cooler in the lunches. So much ecto cooler. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then it's still taste what, it. Yeah. So what, what is that taste profile? Tangerine. It's orange tangerine. Okay. That is the taste profile. Was it white though? It was green. Green. It's uh, very green. green. Okay. It was neon yeah. green. Okay. That stands um, to reason. But my other favorite memory of Ghostbusters is we moved into this place where it was a tennis club. Seaport. Seapoint. Seapoint. Mm. And there were not many other kids. A lot of old people telling us to get our bikes off the yeah. sidewalk. And then so, our parents are telling us, C-point get sounds your bikes like that kind of place. out of the street. Yeah. So our dad, they turned our garage. They let us use, because we had a separated garage. Mm-hmm. And we got to use it as our You're Ghostbusters headquarters. Sick. And it was our Ghostbusters headquarters. It was fucking dope. Did like, you have an Ecto-1, like, radio Yeah, it was our wagon. Flyer. Our yeah. wagon was our radio flyer. was our Ecto-1. Sick. My, one of my favorite things was my radio flyer because I could turn it into other things. Yeah. Uh, Disappointing movie. Radio flyer, by the way. Very oh. sad. <laughs> like a sad, crying buffalo. Okay. I, I'll strike it off my list. It's just I, such I, a I wonderful had, product. I had it right so after Jacob's Ladder. So poorly translated to film. Yeah. Tom Hanks uh, plays an alcoholic. Tom, you know, Tom Hanks, uh, America's dad, He, what a diverse actor. Mm. All right. So, <laughs> Ghostbusters is one of those few movies that combines, like, fantasy or the paranormal with science fiction. Yeah. You know, I, I love it for that reason. Because most it, importantly, it, Bill Murray. Yes. Well. And then, like, Dan Aykroyd was super into the paranormal. Like, his whole family. Oh, yeah. He comes from a line of, like, ghost hunters. Yeah. Yeah, and, Dan like, Aykroyd goes weirdos. To, yeah. yeah. Like, real weirdos. Yeah, I feel like he was channeling, you know, that kind of ex- life experience with his character. He's such an unflinching believer. His curiosity shot was that that was more of a present in the second film, mm. but yeah. and in but that's afterlife. kind of Dan Aykroyd's fantasy. Like he's writing yeah. the script. He's yeah. like, well, oh, this is my guy. What does he do? Well, he he wrote it with with Harold Ramis, right? Yeah, folklore yeah. owner. 
So this, I, I was going to save this question for later, but Ghostbusters one or Ghostbusters two? I mean, one for sure, but I love Ghostbusters two. I do also love. I Ghostbusters am an unadulterated too. lover of Ghostbusters two. That was maybe like, a better New Year's movie. Mm. That was the first movie, okay. like sequel, that I was super super pumped for. And deliver like it did deliver. Like I remember, like, as soon as I saw the preview, I was like, "Holy shit, Ghostbusters two is coming out!" Like if you were in like, Ghostbusters for the ectoplasm, you fucking loved the second one. And that was also eighty, the summer of nineteen eighty nine, which might be the greatest summer of movies ever. Mm. Yeah, the that... Batman Last Crusade, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Ghostbusters two. There's a serious amount of good like, in that movie. Rick Moranis fucked in the late eighties. Turn of oh, the yeah, 80s. dude, Parenthood, like, yeah. Like Rick Moranis, he's a kind of kind of underrated, and he's um, amazing in Ghostbusters and yes. Ghostbusters too. Great. So, who and is your favorite paranormal investigator? I'm an Egon fan. Nice, same. Uh, I will go to Kate McKinnon's Egon. Okay. Parallel. Yeah. All right. Nice. You can watch Kate McKinnon's face. In that I love Kate McKinnon's in face in that movie. In any scene. Kate McKinnon's Hillary Clinton Crack me up. is one of the best characters in SNL history. It rivals Will Ferrell's Bush. And her version of Julia <coughs> on SNL. Oh, I've not I've not seen that in the particular. The one that Rob Schneider said. The one said that pisses off. The one that people are like, all right, SNL is dead because Kate shark. McKinnon is Hillary Rodham Clinton sang a sad song. And it was oh. weird. It's a weird move. Well, it was the week of the, like, it was right after Trump won. But you know what? Like, I thought it was very moving. Captures the moment for me. Okay. It did and for I me, too. Actually. You know, SNL's pretty good for that, actually. Well, speaking of SNL, you know, like, the whole lore around Ghostbusters, where it was supposed to be Belushi, John mm. Candy, mm. I would Eddie lo- Murphy. I, I would have loved to have seen that version. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Like, yeah. I mean, like. Murray, not in the original cast, right? Or he was a different Ghostbuster. No, I think he was in it. And I know I want to say Kinnison, but that was Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Kinnison was supposed to be a Ninja. Turtle. Oh man! So I love Sam Kinnison. Uh, kind of that old was guard. Supposed to be Splinter and Ninja Turtles. No, he was going to be a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> There's a version of Ninja Turtles where it was like Sam Kinnison and a, three other comedians. Like it's fucking weird. I mean, er, er, I like Ernie Hudson. Uh, he, he's who plays Winston. Who I've met I and could... taken my picture with. Sick. Frequent you've, you've guest met, at comic You've met a lot of celebrities. Also, happy recent birthday, David Arquette. Yes. Who you also have a great picture My with. My friend, David Arquette. Cool guy. Come on. He seduced you for his documentary. I mean, he used th- there, to. Are worse, he still there are worse things. Me. That's true. He did save your life. Was that, well, I'm sorry, was that sex or text? <laughs> Both. Nice. Nice. Eat your heart out, Courtney Cox. Is the show still on? This yeah. is uh, Laredo, not understanding what people recording a podcast looks like. <laughs> Come see him next month on Mega Sookies. He's funny and has great comic timing. What is it? Tragedy plus time equals comedy? Yeah, yeah. Plus good editing. <clears throat> yes. Well, the, tra- the tragedy of that interruption may very well get edited out. Keep it in. <laughs> Keep it in? Uh, That's... That stays, too. <laughs> it has been decreed. Yeah, I love Egan. I love Ray, just because he he's like the ultimate ghost hunter. I feel like he's he's what every other ghost hunter aspires he's the heart to of be the like. Ghostbusters. He is the heart of the yeah. Ghostbusters, and they never explain the technology. He just like kind of has it racked up there, Same. and then Egan is just along for the ride too. He's like, "Yep, I I understand what's going on." I here. made this containment unit yeah. that contains ghosts, <laughs> right? <laughs> and these proton packs, yeah, with nuclear accelerators on them. His specialization in engineering school was deus ex machina engineering. But it worked. And then the yeah. technology got sure even did. more crazy. Like, Well, especially like in Afterlife. Yeah. You had the Ecto-1 with the like the proton blaster side door. Right. Well, yeah. But, awesome. you know, like ghost pirating. The super ghost like, trap. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's uh, I, I love what they've been able to do with the newer Ghostbusters rendition and then Afterlife. Like they did a good transition into using CGI over practical effects. Yeah. But like, I mean, nothing, you know, nothing, nothing fucks with a good miniature, though. I agree, and also like overlayering, you know, just like the way, the way like that they had because sli- it it still fucking holds up, man. And the it terror dogs. Yeah. And... Well, the terror, uh, the terror dog's claymation leaves a little. Well, the claymation's uh, a little bit. It's a little rough. Rough, but then like <laughs> stay puffed. 
Like, Stay Puff is great. Yes. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. And they only spent, like, I read somewhere, like, Stay Puff cost, like, $50,000. Which is like, crazy. That's crazy, it, like, to have that low of a operational budget for something like that. toys alone so. paid for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, so it, it, Ghostbusters as a franchise is, you know, it, I would say it's one of the most universally recognizable ones. You know, like, TMNT is up there. You, you can't avoid Ghostbusters. I mean the ghost, the ghost in the in the in the no smoking sign, the no yeah. ghost, the no ghost. no ghosts. I mean we were products of the eight. I mean we were in San Diego in the eighties, and one of like the the coolest shirt of our demo was what was it nineteen eighty four the Cub, Cub Buster shirt. Nice. This Padres shirt, just like, and this was like, how they get that to print? But they were just like printing these shirts about oh, the Padres are going to World Series with Steve Garvey, and Tony Gwynn, Cub Busters, and it was like yes. It's weird. I think Ghostbusters made me a fan of baseball because of that shirt. It's not weird to see Steve Garvey commentating now, but it is a little weird to I see Steve Garvey commentating. I was just watching a documentary now. with him in it, and it Brendan talked had about his rookie his, card. Nice. His, he was my favorite baseball player. Met him on an airplane. Oh, sick! I met Jeff. Con- I met old. Jeff Conine on an airplane. The the year they won the World Series in '97. Anyway, baseball. Back to the nerdy. <laughs> yeah, fucking baseball is nerdy. Baseball than is nerdy shit. Days. Yeah, that is very true. If you're like, oh my goodness, I love the Marvel. I'm like, cool. If you're like, oh my goodness, I've been following all 182 games. Of <laughs> Nerd baseball. alert! I'm like, Whoa! Woo-hoo. I just play fantasy football. <laughs> you're a fucking dweeb. <laughs> so, Ghostbusters. Who's your least favorite character? Because my, I hate Lewis, except when he's the key mat. I'm the key master. I don't know. I, don't I actively hate any characters. Okay. I mean, I mean even Walter the word, Peck, Peck is the, one of the best the parts. Peck's amazing. Yeah. The Pecker. It's true, <laughs> officer. Like, this man has no dick. dick yeah. Really one of the, one of the best head. lines. Dudes with red hair, sketchy. But William Atherton is Shout so out great. to all the redhead comedians. Also the villain <laughs> in Biodome. He was one of the oh, first yeah. actors like, I recognized because oh, I was like, Die Hard's my favorite. Oh, oh my yeah, goodness. Die Hard. He's so great in Die Hard. Like, he's a jerk in Die Hard, and he's an even bigger jerk in Ghostbusters. And I thought, if you would ask me in, like, 1989 who the best supporting actor in American cinema was, I would say, like, Walter Peck. Because that's what I called him, even when he was in Die Hard. Bit of, bit of a typecast, but well-deserved, because he's great in the roles. Let me ask you this. If a ghost comes ectoplasm, does that make it a Ghostbuster? Little ghost nut? Yeah. Ray Parker Jr. himself did say that Bustin feels good. It sure does. So. And let's, let's not forget. Ray got a blowjob from a ghost. He the sure fan, did. That, that is, is in the movie. That is, that is canon, yes. Yeah. Yeah, a ghost job. And this is a movie for children. Yes. That sold a lot of toys. That's true. That, that is, it's a very horny movie. Like, oh, yeah. oh, for sure. Yeah. Just Sigourney Weaver. Egon and Janine. Yeah. Like, I was obviously like four or five. It was like the first thing I watched. It was like, I, I saw the world through the lens of Ghostbusters. So right. like. I remember, like, songs on the radio. UB40, Lady in Red. Is that, did I get that right, Brendan? You're my... Lady in Red. Lady in Red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it's That's UB40, not 40, but I, yeah. I They're Red, Red Wine. Um, mm-hmm. But Lady in Red, I thought, <laughs> was a song about Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters. Mm. that famous... Are You the Key Master? And then they made a movie, are. Lady in Red, with Kelly LeBrock. Not and... my Lady in Red. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver, uh, she is pretty prolific in the sci-fi realm. Yeah. She was post in a Disneyland alien. ride. Yeah, this is post-post-alien, yeah. Pre-aliens. Yes. But she's so funny in And then she popped up in the Indiana Jones franchise. She was amazing. She was in all the hits. What are you talking about? She's in Indiana Jones. Yeah, what are you Jones? talking about? I just made that up. Okay, good. I thought I was going crazy for a second. She didn't show up in there, but I thought she was <laughs> in The Last Crusade. Oh, she was the high priest that was doing the Kali Ma? Was no, that... she wasn't. Uh, oh, oh. The missed memories of youth. So is, is it really that bad to cross streams? Yeah. Well, they, they do it, they and cro- then it saves everybody. Right. But like... Well, they do more than cross streams. They actually touch tips. Yeah. That's over the line. Like, we were bros. We used to pee at the same time. Uh-huh. Crossing streams. That's okay. Yeah. Touching tips. The mega stream. That's Lena Dunham territory, hiding little stones in her sister's pocket. It's in her book. It's published. It's canon. <laughs> it's canon. Fantastic. I just want to say that I loved Paul Feig's Ghostbusters. Okay. And I loved Afterlife. And I think the haters are wrong. 
Okay. I do hold your opinions in high esteem. So and I'm and I and I'm a big Paul Feig fan, and I got to meet him, and he did a whole thing about because he wrote a Ghostbusters comic after, and I, he did a signing. It was really cool, but he I think he, him and like they all got unnecessarily like just blasted. Well, everybody's got an opinion dually nowadays because of the internet. It's thank like, God for the internet, though. Right? <laughs> well, thank God for Al Gore for inventing the internet and global warming. Because I, I don't, I don't know what we would have done without those two. As a Ghostbusters fan, I was just so excited there was more Ghostbusters. Sure. And, and yeah, then to have one of my favorite directors and all these awesome comedians, like it seemed like I'm like this is great. And then the new one with like Jason Reitman, like getting the torch passed. There's but, more Ghostbusters. More There's Ghostbusters. more Ghostbusters. And like and Paul Rudd's in the Ghostbusters universe now. And that's fucking great, because he's hilarious. I do love Paul Rudd, and, yes. Um, I love the kids in like in it now. Like, they're great. You think that kind of foreshadows toward future development? Oh, that for kind sure. Of, kind of like an it situation where they grow up and, yeah. you know, like, they become... Because kids are grown now. That movie was a while ago. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Well, it, perhaps then... It's just going to reboot and shoot. Yep. <laughs> well, they have said they're going to make more, so I'm excited. Nice. So, you know what my real Ghostbusters 3 is? If you've never played Ghostbusters the game... I've not. It has all the... It was, the script was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. That's it's, awesome. And it's, it has all of them. It's got Bill Murray, like Walter Peck's in it. If you want, like, the real One Ghostbusters 3... One of Bill Murray's three, greatest video game performances. If, you, if you want the okay. real Ghostbusters 3, like, Ghostbusters the game, it's there. It's out there. It had the... It was my favorite multiplayer game. It was so fun. Imagine, like, Ghostbusters multiplayer. Well, I, like, I don't know. But Bill Murray so in the Caddyshack game. The Caddyshack game. In the video game, could you pull a tablecloth? Yes. Uh, out from a, you got an well, achievement. As long as the flowers stayed on the table. And it's a perfect game. Yeah. This... There was all <laughs> kinds of inside jokes. Like, like if you went to Lewis's... Because they couldn't get um, Rick Moranis. He's the only no. person that did not participate... And yeah, like, he's too busy fucking. And he said he had like a note, like he's away from his desk, he's on vacation, but it had his uniform. And then like if you stood in front of the Vigo painting long, because they had the Vigo painting in the headquarters, and if you stood in front of it long enough, it would talk to you. Okay, I'm sorry, but and Vigo gave me nightmares. Vigo was then very... do not Wikipedia that actor. He oh, dude, that actor, the story of the actor who played man. Vigo, that dude was a crazy person. Oh, I have more research. Also in that. Die Hard. Man. It all comes back to Die Hard. All goes back to Die Hard. Uh, the, Die, the, Die Hard's not. We saw Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. Oh, I was gonna say it's, it's the a best Ghostbusters Christmas. movie. <laughs> the story of the Die. actor that played Vigo is pretty fucking crazy. That's we, a fun Wikipedia journey. Well, I will definitely go on that journey. We got down to the root of it. Uh, Die Hard is Ghostbusters canon. Creasy Crashly Brothers. Where can we besides Mega Sookies, Where can we see you perform next? Because you're, gonna you're be micing, on... you're performing, you're going all over the place. Brennan's the current high dive champion. I'm the current high dive champion. As a solo artist. Awesome. <laughs> you see him defending his belt probably for at least one Monday. More. Nice. And then uh, I'll be on the October 9th Bear Trap show at Underbar. Grr. Grr. And then we are on the December uh, Laugh Basement. Oh, nice. Uh, Creasy Crashy Brothers. And we're nice. also... It's a great show. I don't and know. look for us hosting an after party at uh, Comedy Festival in the near future. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. Well, again, that's Brendo Man. I'm Brendo Man on all things. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. You can check out our sets on YouTube. Carson Creasy on Instagram. On the Instagram. Fellas... Even though that, that's his old name. Is, that's, is that your dead name? And it's a private account, so I'll have to approve every one of you. Nice. What is your... What's your... Crashly, but I didn't change it on Instagram. Okay. Well, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Good Furks. Yeah, I, I Furks. Went full Speaking Swedish. Went full Swedish there. Not to not to elude. Via the Badana We'll be at the Furkies after this. <laughs> Furkin Tavern. Furkin Tavern, home of the open mic. Furkin oh, and a. We're, we're singing a special song next at week. At the Furkin Tavern next week. I love your songs. The, Our youth the, pastor will be very proud. 
One of the last times everything that, that I cried laughing from something was when YouTube were at Funhouse Lounge. You know, my, my brain is blanking on the song, but I remember the laughter, and that's what counts. Forgettable musical For, comedy. Forgettable musical comedy from the Creasy Crouchley Brothers. All right, well, hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you. Always a fun time hanging out with the Creasy Crashly Bros. Thanks for taking the time during Megasukis to chat with me about Ghostbusters. <sighs> Alrighty, for this week's water cooler fact, I'll be doing heroin. No, instead we're going to answer the question, what's the deal with all the ghosts? And for that, I visited TrustyOldLiveScience.com for an article written by Benjamin Radford, which poses the more useful question, are ghosts real? If you believe in ghosts, you are not alone. Cultures all around the world believe in spirits that survive death to live in another realm. In fact, ghosts are among the most widely believed of paranormal phenomenon. Millions of people are interested in ghosts, and thousands read ghost stories on Reddit every day, among other things. A 2019 Ipsos poll found that 46% of Americans say that they truly believe in ghosts. The nation is discerning in its undead beliefs, with only 7% of respondents saying that they believe in vampires. <laughs> the idea that the dead remain with us in spirit is an ancient one, appearing in countless stories from the Bible to Macbeth. It even spawned a folklore genre, ghost stories. Belief in ghosts is part of a larger web of related paranormal beliefs, including near-death experience, life after death, and spirit communication. The belief offers many people comfort. Who doesn't want to believe that our beloved but deceased family members aren't looking out for us or with us in our times of need? People have tried to or claimed to communicate with spirits for ages. In Victorian England, for example, it was fashionable for upper-crust ladies to hold seances in their parlors after tea and crumpets with friends. Ghost clubs dedicated to searching for ghostly evidence formed at prestigious universities, including Cambridge and Oxford, and in 1882, the most prominent organization, the Society for Psychical Research, was established. A woman named Eleanor Sidgwick was an investigator and later president of that group and could be considered the original female Ghostbuster. In America during the late 1800s, many psychic mediums claimed to speak to the dead, but were later exposed as frauds by skeptical investigators such as Harry Houdini. One difficulty in scientifically evaluating ghosts is that a surprisingly wide variety of phenomena are attributed to ghosts, from a door closing on its own to missing keys to a cold area in a hallway to a vision of a dead relative. When sociologist Dennis and Michelle Voskel interview ghost experiencers for their 2016 book Ghostly Encounters, The Hauntings of Everyday Life, they're quoted as saying, Many participants were not sure that they had encountered a ghost and remained uncertain that such phenomena were even possible simply because they did not see something that approximated the conventional image of a ghost. Instead, many of our respondents were simply convinced that they had experienced something uncanny. Something inexplicable, extraordinary, mysterious, or otherwise eerie. Thus, many people who go on record as claiming to have had a ghostly experience didn't necessarily see anything that most people would recognize as a classic ghost, and in fact, they may have had completely different experiences whose only common factor is that it could not be readily explained. Personal experience is one thing, but scientific evidence is another matter. Part of the difficulty in investigating ghosts is that there's not one universally agreed upon definition of what a ghost is. Some believe that they are spirits of the dead who, for whatever reason, get lost on their way to the other side. Others claim that ghosts are instead telepathic entities projected into the world from our minds. Still others create their own special categories for different types of ghosts, such as poltergeists, residual hauntings, intelligent spirits, or shadow people. Of course, it's all made up, like speculating on the different races of fairies or dragons. There are as many types of ghosts as you want there to be. There are many contradictions inherent in ideas about ghosts. For example, are ghosts material or not? Either they can move through solid objects without disturbing them, or they can slam doors shut and throw objects across the room. According to logic and the laws of physics, it's either one or the other. If ghosts are human souls, why do they appear clothed and with presumably soulless inanimate objects like hats, canes, and dresses? Not to mention the many reports of ghost trains, cars, and carriages. If ghosts are the spirits of those whose deaths were unavenged, why are there unsolved murders, since ghosts are said to communicate with psychic mediums and should be able to identify their killers for the police? The questions can go on and on. 
Just about any claim about ghosts raises logical reasons to doubt it. And doubt it, I most certainly do. In the Ghostbusters sense. We're ready to believe you! I mean, I'm not one to deny the potential for paranormal experiences to have a yet unknown scientific explanation, uh, but perhaps someday science and superstition will become indiscernible. Now that we're all thoroughly spooked out, I'd like to thank my sources for this episode, which include ghostbusters.fandom.com, definitely check out that wiki, goliath.com, insidethemagic.net, imdb.com, and of course Wikipedia, because if it's on Wikipedia, it was put there by the government. I'm super stoked for next week as we continue our dark voyage throughout the month of October with a dive into the Resident Evil franchise with the super rad Jasmine Pettit, host of the Telltale Showcase at the Chapel Theater in Southeast Portland. Visit TelltalePDX.com for more info on performance dates and remember to get vulnerable and take no shit. That episode airs Tuesday, October 11th from 8 to 9 a.m. We've also got an awesome lineup for the rest of October. On October 18th, the fabulous Sagan Genesis and I will be getting into the cult classic Rocky Horror Picture Show. Research for that episode will definitely include a trip to the Clinton Street Theater with my lovely wife Amanda for a live performance and showing. I've loved going to Rocky Horror Picture Shows ever since a 16-year-old me got de-virginized with a group of other nerds back in good old Los Angeles at the New Art Theater. Stop on by the 4th Wall PDX as part of the Dark Arts Festival on Sunday, October 23rd for fun and debauchery as we record live with guest comedian and one of my favorite people, Billy Chambers. We get into my favorite sci-fi horror film, Event Horizon, with the Dark Lord himself, Michael Garcia, in front of a live audience. You're going to want to get spooky with us there. I know I'll be consuming an unholy amount of Count Chocula. Uh, make sure you check out fftheshow.com forward slash Dark Arts Fest 2022 for performance dates and locations. I'll also be performing stand-up sets at Fourth Wall and Kelly's Olympian throughout the festival. Hail Satan! Wrapping up the month, we have an extra special Halloween episode with hilarious comedian Seth Allen, where we cover everyone's favorite mischief makers, Gremlins. Shout out to my crush and firm top five member, Greta. I love you. You can catch those episodes airing every Tuesday morning throughout the month of October right here on Spooky Pines Radio. Oh, wait, I mean Shady Pines Radio. Follow Shady Pines Radio on the social medias, donate to the Patreon page for access to cool stuff and to support this amazing community-driven radio station coming to the universe live from Portland, Oregon. Hey, before we ghost on out of here, how's about we get a dose of the ha-has from the Creasy Crashly Brothers? Here they are at this year's Portland's Funniest Competition at Helium Comedy Club. Enjoy! Very nervous. Uh, my English, I'm a Swedish comedian, of course, Chrisley. Uh, this is my friend, little Brendo, a brother. Yeah. My English, not very good. The puppet, English, much worse. Much worse. <laughs> so, puppet, puppet tell joke. I translate Swedish, yes? Good, good. Hard to meet Roe Wade, U.S. Corte Suprema. Oh, no, no, little puppet. No, no, too soon, too soon, too soon. Corte Suprema, Roe Oh, I cancel you now. I cancel you, stupid puppet. <laughs> so sorry. He's, he's new here. Um, any kind folk, any good folks, uh, Pratars fans can speak Swedish to help me out? Anybody? Yeah. Yes, you, sir. Complete stranger, please come, come. Yes. <laughs> Never seen man in, never seen this man in my life. Okay. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, yeah. stranger, give up for stranger. Ready? Hey. Okay. Good, good, bad, good, folk, the Helium Club Comedy. Good evening, good folk, a Helium Comedy Club. We are the Moderna, Frantisha Tishka, the Chrissy Crashley. We are the fantastic Creasy Crashley brothers. <laughs> He's good, no? 
I mein Badig Wald, mein Badig Wald, und über den Bretter Svenska. Svenska ist super cool, no Svenska? And tonight, only tonight, one of the brothers will be speaking Swedish. <laughs> Swedish, super cool, super yeah. Super cool, yeah, yeah. Good folk, the Hirium Comedy Clubhouse. Ich bin ein Klocke! Good folk of Helium Comedy Club, do you know what time it is? <laughs> exactly correct, digs for super cool shooter. Exactly right, time for super cool jokes. First day, super cool shooter. First super cool joke. Have you heard of this? Have you heard of this? This World War III and this Russian butthead, Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin. More like. More like. There's sexiga riga. No, horsey, yeah. The sexy horseman. Oi. Vladimir Putin. Nuska boombinus or Nuska underculture blota. Hey, Vladimir Putin, are you gonna bomb us or make my panties wet? Super declutter blota. Super wet. A good folk at the comedy club Helium, the Berdurner for the Tishka, the Chrissy Clashy, Nurse House to Eta Underlin, a Charler, Vladimir Putin, and two's Hypnotishka Nip. No, 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 no. Uh. Hypnotishka. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous Chrissy Crashley brothers are not here to talk about Vladimir Putin. No. Or his hypnotic nipples. No, no, no. Super hypnotistic nips, but no. Super hypnotic nipples. The Baderna Fantatishka, the Chrissy Crashley, House to Esther Underlin, and only Unter Underlin. The fabulous Creasy Crashley brothers are here for one reason and one reason only to sing a song. Un, I do, I un, do, true. We don't understand crypto, no, no, no. We don't understand crypto, but it was almost payday. Almost payday. I was checking my balance online. Negative balance, oh my. Then my Braderna walks in with his pot smoking grin. Crypto. Hey, are you buying these dark web drugs or am I? I'm sorry, my brother, go on. My brother says these profits are insane. That's what Matt Damon told us. Crypto utilizes the blockchain. But it kills the rainforest. What the fuck is a blockchainer? Uh. <laughs> Nobody knows, but, but we invest anyway. Hey, tech. Bros with neck beards for years have feared the NFT market crumbling. Crumbling. I recall the year when my beanie baby stocks went tumbling. Tumbling. Crypto is a grift, not a gif, nor a gif. Your bored apes are worth nothing, nothing. We're dealing with fiduciary themes, not meant for human beings. Do you understand Helium Comedy Club? No. Still don't understand. We'll talk to us after the show. We're selling NFT shirts and consulting on Roth IRA. <laughs> good night, good folk. Uh, Christy Crashley Brothers. Good night, stranger. Hey, folks, this is Michael Phelps, host of Father's Favorites and the Comedy Open Mic at my father's place, conveniently located at 523 Southeast Grand Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Mic sign-ups are Fridays at 8.30 p.m. Come on by for some awesome breakfast food, great drinks, and the best comedians Portland and the Pacific Northwest has to offer. In the meantime, make sure you follow Science Factual on the socials. That's at Science Factual Pod, as well as Shady Pines Radio for amazing content 24 hours a day, 8 days a week. Download the app today wherever you procure your apps. You're listening to ShadyPinesRadio.com. Here's the lineup for Tuesday. Starting at 8 a.m., Science Factual with Reese Hendrick. At 9 a.m., Emotional Weather Report with Jamie Stewart. Beat Salad with Mason O'Brien at 11 a.m. 
At noon, The Blue Hour with Blue Corbidae. Northwest Comedy Hour with Emily June at 1 p.m. At 2 p.m., The Prague Hour with Reagan Lindy. Your Own Private PDX with DJ Squiffy at 3 p.m. At 4 p.m., Cosmic Taco Beach Shack with Big Papa Warrior. No Dancing Please with L. Ron Hubbard at 5 p.m. At 6 p.m., Anything New with Shorty L. Toasty Tunes with Alex Toast at 7 p.m. At 8 p.m., Radio Seance with Your Psychic Friends. At 9 p.m., Fresh Unoriginal with DJ Wineglass. Turntable Talk with Chili and Bass at 10 p.m. And at 11 p.m., Taking Drugs to Play Music to Take Drugs to with Shampoo Douglas. No matter the day or time, you've picked the right time to listen in. Thanks for listening, and tell others. Shady Boys Radio.